Well, we've come to the part of the service where we normally have a sermon, and we will today, a sermon that will lead us into the communion. And I'll be projecting. My name is Douglas Jacoby. I'm honored to speak here. There I am, or here I am. Uh, the difference between the two images is about 10 years more of mistakes and maturity, the one walking on the stage. We really need to get a new picture. The message is on long-distance faith. And as I will explain later on, um, I'm, there's a passage I got very excited about in John's Gospel, and I preached from that last week, uh, last Sunday in Mexico City. So uh, just uh, making some translations into English, uh, I am ready for action. I hope that this will really meet some needs today. Now, um, as is the custom, usually when I speak, I talk about where I've just been since the last time I spoke to you. Um, I've been in Knoxville, which was terrific. Many of you are, uh, know our friends there, the congregation there. Mexico City, and then um, Los Angeles, or technically Malibu. Mexico City, of course, is an amazing place. Um, where many Mexicans right here in our own congregation, obviously in our communities. And in our churches, the, which usually call themselves Churches of Christ or International Churches of Christ, our largest congregation is in Los Angeles. The second largest is in Mexico City. Um, that's my friend Arturo, one of the evangelists who spearheads the teaching program. Um, they do have a little bit of traffic in Mexico City, and they think, you know, they think, well, we really have a lot of traffic. This is all relative. So what I did is I uh, actually used this very slide. The, uh, I said, have you ever been to Lagos, uh, Nigeria? Now we're talking about traffic. And yet even that is not the pinnacle of traffic because if you've been in Jakarta, Indonesia, you know it can be much worse. And I talked to a guy who was stuck in traffic for 12 hours. Sometimes it really moves slowly. Anyway, it's all about perspective. They wanted me to speak about uh, relationships between elders and teachers and preachers, and that I was very happy to do as uh, about 25 teachers in training were there, plus the church leaders from all over Mexico. Um, they really believe in everyone having education, all church leaders, and they go through uh, courses, and that adds up to the whole diploma program. So they have lots of graduations, and you can see here um, a number of the recent graduates. Um, and in fact, the graduates came from uh, 12 Mexican cities and 10 others in South America and Europe, and yeah, even in the U.S. Uh, the, I see those yellow arrows. Uh, they had three teachers appointed uh, last year. And you can see them right there, Oscar and his wife, Carolina. And then next to me, you can see um, Jose Carlos. Yes, one of those is a woman, a woman. Yes, that, that's right, it's not a mistake. Okay, she's a great girl. Just as last year, we had the Mexican teachers, we had three in West Africa, which I've shared about uh, before. But those are their names, I'm so proud of them, amazing people. Uh, here's one of many campus groups uh, in Mexico City. You can see there's a little bit of joy there. From there, I went to Los Angeles. I flew to Los Angeles, and then I went to an event at Pepperdine University in Malibu, facing the Pacific. And they call it Harbor. There's no actual Harbor there, but they came up with that name. And it's an amazing uh, Bible lectureship. And I, I, I elected to go to the pre-conference conference, which, as you can see, was on a really important topic no Longer Strangers, Practical Steps for Race Relations. The keynote speakers were Jerry Taylor, whose story was riveting, and Don McLaughlin, who's a minister in the North Atlanta Church of Christ. Uh, this was truly amazing stuff. Uh, 
our contribution, my friend Nick, who's a professor at Pepperdine and I, we spoke on Church of Christ and ICOC, the rift and the repair. Now, if you don't know what that is, that's why it had to be in two classes. The first class was on dates, so people have a bit of the history. And then we talked about the DNA, the specific DNA of the Church of Christ, good and bad. And then we talked about damage, damage that's been done. We we're very specific, acknowledging and the second class, the repair, was more positive. We looked at uh, progress, we looked at things that are happening, initiatives, and what is realistic to expect where this will lead. Uh, but if you're interested in that, you can get it at my homepage, douglasjacobi.com. It's also a great chance to sing a cappella. The talk that probably hit me the most was by a woman named Sarah Barton. That's also accessible at the newsletter standing with my friend Nick behind the pulpit of Alexander Campbell. If you don't know who he is, you should Google him. Uh, and coming up, uh, at the end of next week, I'll be heading to Israel. Maybe you can join us sometime, or Turkey, and then I'll be in Amsterdam, uh, that amazing uh, European city. Stay in touch with social media, or if you'd like to get the weekly newsletter, text the word DISCIPLE to 66866. Now, to the message. Long-distance faith. And what does that mean? And what is this passage that you were so excited about sharing? I'll tell you. I know it's Mother's Day. What's well, Mother's Day here? In Britain, it was two months ago. So I've got two Mother's Days to remember. And we emphasize the, and we try to demonstrate love for parents, a child's love for a mother. But of course, it goes the other way as well. We're going to be looking at um, the love, even the, the desperation of a parent for a child, and this is found in the Gospel of John. Now, John is structured around seven signs. It, it's, I wrote signs. Sherwin uh, went up there and he changed it to sings because he's into music, but Sherwin, very funny. Okay, I'm going to change that later. It also has the seven confessions from Nathaniel to, uh, to Thomas, and has the seven I am's. I am the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, all the way to... Well, what is the last one? It's in chapter 15, right? Uh, I'm the vine, you're the branches. These seven signs begin in Cana. Cana is in Galilee where Jesus turned the water to wine. It was at a wedding celebration. Our church here has four weddings this month, or actually one down, three to go. Uh, in that situation, they ran out of some of the commodity, they ran out of wine. And this is the first, not Jesus' first miracle, but it's the first sign that John showcases. And then we have the healing of the official son, long distance, the paralytic at Bethesda, who had been there 38 years. The 5,000 are fed. Jesus walks on the water, interacts with the 12, the blind man, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Those are the seven signs. Now, each one tells us something different about God. The first sign shows something of God's control over quality. Something that is not something else is transformed. Water turns to wine. Now, water can turn to wine um, if you have grapes in it and you give it enough time. Uh, it, it takes months. Uh, yeah, it would take months for that to happen, but here it's accelerated. God's, we see his control over distance. The fact that the man is far away from where Jesus is, actually in a different city, is irrelevant. No problem to God. We see the Lord's control over sickness, quantity, 
that handful of, of bread and fish, I don't know what it would have fed. It depends how big the fish were and how big the bread was. But let's say no more than four or five people. And Jesus makes it feed 5,000 men plus women plus children. But no teenagers, because that wouldn't have been enough. Okay. Nature. The control. In the Old Testament, it says that, the, that God walks on the waves. He walks on the sea. Incredible. Misfortune. The blind man is healed. And even power over death itself. So each of those seven signs tells us something. Now, this is not a class. This is just the background. We're going to look at one of those signs. That's the one I'm excited about. And it's where we see the Lord's control over distance. Able to touch lives despite distance. And this is the end of John chapter 4. In fact, it's the final 12 verses. I invite you to follow along on your device in your Bible, or you can just look up at either of the two screens. Once more, Jesus visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. Now, there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. So we have three people here. There's the father, there's the son, and there's Jesus. And the son is mortally ill, so much so that the father is desperate, and it says he begs Jesus to come and heal his son. To lose a parent is very painful, and many of us in the room have lost one parent or both. We know what that's like. But I don't think I've ever met someone who's lost a child who said, oh yeah, that's a lot easier because they're younger, they haven't lived so long. It's really the opposite. And this man is confronting the possibility that he's going to lose his son. The son is mortally ill. And he says, sir, speaking to Jesus, come down before my child dies. Go, he replied, your son will live. Now, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. What do we see here? Well, Jesus wasn't willing to leave Cana to go to Capernaum to be with the father and son directly. We see something similar in John 11 with Lazarus, if you know that story. Rather, he heals at a distance. And the father doesn't say, well, how can this work? You can't heal if you're in the wrong place. This is the wrong town. We need to get to Capernaum. He actually takes Jesus at his word. And I think that's something that's hard for me to do. And maybe it's hard for you too. This is what I mean by long distance faith. And after, when the, the father inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, so when was it? Yesterday, at the seventh hour, one in the afternoon, the fever left him. The father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so he and his whole household, not just the father, but I guess his other children and his wife and the servants, anyone who could believe did believe. They came to faith. 
So despite the distance, and it wasn't that Jesus said something and that created a positive atmosphere and it made the son feel comforted, and then the following week uh, he was a little better, and then two months later he recovered. No, this was a total recovery, and it was at the same time that Jesus promised, your son will live. That's significant. Realizing this is no coincidence, no surprise that they all come to faith. Now, we notice three times we have that, that word live. Your son will live. This one, it says, actually, your child, actually in the Greek, it's your son lives. This is your child lives, and this is your son lives. But we have that triple there. Just as we see that triple progression of faith from the initial request all the way to the strong faith that make this such a memorable miracle. That is, there's a lot going on here that because of time, we really can't flesh out. We can't bring to the surface. Oh, in the last verse, this was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. It's a distance healing, and I think it's all about trust. When your friend says, I'll do it, do you trust him? When you're on the phone to a company and they say, we'll be there at this time, do you believe them? When someone tells you she's got a great plan and she's going to get right on it, do you take her at her word? Well, it kind of depends, doesn't it? Who it is and what the track record is. Of course, Jesus has a perfect track record, total integrity, total honesty. You can trust on him. You can lean on him. You can count on him far more than you can count on me or you or the person sitting next to you. For God, this is really no problem that the servant, uh, the, the child, is in uh, uh, Capernaum while Jesus is in Cana. That's not like Jesus says, oh, no, I don't think I can get there in time. It's not like that. It's never like that. In fact, this reminds me of a passage later in the same book where Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And there's another passage very similar in 1 Peter, one of my favorite uh, ever since I was baptized myself. But Jesus told Thomas, because you've seen me, you believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's most all of us. What is the likelihood Jesus is going to personally come to the earth or even do a miracle in our lives? And the Lord does do miracles. He never stopped doing miracles. But they always were and are rare. So, but most of us are in the position of having to process the information. We hear the story. We get to know something of the character of the Lord. And then we have a choice to trust or not to trust. We're at a disadvantage in a sense. We're at a distance. Let's apply this. One thing this means is that God hears my prayers. The signal is strong despite the distance. Uh, we're children of a very modern generation. Even if you're 95 years old, you live in a very modern world. And sometimes we don't get a good signal for our phone. Or as I've been discovering this last year, since my hearing aids got an upgrade, uh, the Bluetooth. Sometimes funny things happen. I know, some of you think that's crazy. This is not new technology, it's old technology. God is a long way from us, or so we feel. But even though that is the case, he has no problem hearing us. Do we have a problem hearing him? Has he been unclear? 
in his written instructions or in the example he's left in nature or history. Another thought is that the blood of Jesus is still powerful. You say, yeah, but it was powerful in the year 30 AD, but this is 2019. How powerful can it be? It must be kind of weak by now, way past the sell-by date, the use-by date. Blood of Jesus is plenty powerful for the whole world and certainly for your life and mine. Scripture, we say, well, the distance in time, the chronological distance, it's written so long ago, even the most recent part of the New Testament, usually they say was written in 95 AD. Okay, that's, that's the end of the first century, but anyone who actually reads the Scripture with an open mind will be possessed by an uncanny feeling that, wait a minute, this, this is speaking to me. This applies to our life. We haven't changed that much. Human nature hasn't changed at all. Technology's changed. Longevity has changed in most places. But we're the same. And yet most of the world doesn't read the scripture. I'm distressed. You know, I try to keep up with trends. Not, I'm not saying I'm trendy. I'm talking about trends in thought, philosophy, um, church. I'm definitely not trendy. I know that. And I don't care. One of the trends is that uh, we, we have this, 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 mo this direction where we're trying to become, I don't know, all things to all men. We're, we're trying to be relatable. And as churches become bigger and bigger in the hundreds and thousands, those who should know the word of God even more now are reading it less and less every year. That, 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 that's a trend in the evangelical movement and the megachurches. And it's a trend I've observed in my own church in my own church family. Uh, the scripture still applies. Maybe you have a feeling, well, does it really apply to me since I'm such an exceptional person? Which is the way of saying I always have an excuse for everything. Does it really apply to me? Oh yeah, it actually applies to you double. Keep going. And then God's love is still for you and me. That's not diluted. You'd say, well, what's the world population today? Is anyone keeping up with it? I mean, the number I keep seeing is it's over 7 billion. When I was born, it was around 3 billion. How many billion people have lived since Jesus was on the earth? I mean, billions of people. Now, see, we use a funny mathematics. We think, okay, well, the signal, okay, it's 2,000 years and I'm praying. And the, so you take the square root of this. And, okay, so he can probably hardly hear my prayer anyway. Or I'm sharing the blood of Jesus with 10 billion more people. I mean, it's so dilute, that probably couldn't heal me even of a minor problem on a, on a normal day. But it's not that way. Jesus is Lord over distance. Now, the key verse in our section is this. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And before you depart today, I want every one of us, and I know this is not easy, but to be challenged by this, to take Jesus at his word. It's not easy, this trust thing, especially for men. It's not easy to trust, especially for those who've been abused by authority, uh, abused physically, sexually, verbally. It's not easy to have trust when we see so many examples of double, double dealing in the religious world. Let's see, so who is actually able to trust? I've wiped out like 90% of everybody right there. 
But not to make light of it, for some of us, it's just very hard. And it's also our, the way we're wired, our brain chemistry. For me, I, I would much rather solve a complex mathematical problem than have to work through a relationship issue. Maybe you're like me. But our mathematics is not God's mathematics. See, we can take the Lord at his word. It's as powerful and true and life-changing now as it ever was. It can change your relationship with your mother, with your father. I, I was talking to a friend who was visiting a family member he hadn't seen in over a decade, and he feared it would go horribly because of the past. And I said, have faith in God here. God can do amazing things. When he got back from that weekend, this is just recently, he said, I was stunned how well it went. I said, you know, people can change, especially when faith is in that person's life, which was exactly what had happened. Lord's word is powerful, changing relationships, helping us to change character, which God will change your character over the next few decades. Don't expect it'll happen in a week or two. Prayer still reaches God, despite the distance. We think, oh, he's outside our universe. It's so far away. Well, he's not. Nothing is actually outside physically because the universe is the universe. In fact, he's right here. In him, we live and move and have our being. Thirdly, focus on Jesus. Read the Gospels. There are so many things. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. For me, it's been decades, and I'm still constantly finding new stuff. Because I, I was asking the guys in Mexico, so what do you want me to speak on? They said, well, we're doing this series on the seven signs of John. It would be nice if you did the second sign, but you can do whatever you want. And I looked at that second sign, the one we read, and I wasn't sure. Hmm, I've never preached on that before. I've never even taught on that before. And so I mulled it over. And after a few days of looking at it, I realized, wait a minute, this, this is actually for me. I'm the one who often feels distant from God in prayer. I'm the one who can have a sense of unreality when it comes to the spiritual world, which is not an ideal thing if you're a preacher. I'm the one who needs this. And if I need it, I know there are other people who I will share this thought with who also need it. And we should expect to meet God. Close up, far away, as in paradise, God walks in, the, in Scripture seeking man. Because we believe there is a day of judgment. There is a final reckoning. And this is serious. And whether that happens next year or a thousand years from now, it will indeed happen. Let's work together. Let's help each other out. Let's partner to help every member of North River to have a stronger faith, to help our friends and our neighbors to have a stronger faith, to hold up the cross of Christ in a way that glorifies God so that those who are exposed to Jesus Christ will have a chance to come to faith, to make that life-changing decision. Long-distance faith. Fe a larga distancia. We're going to finish now with the communion. We're going to, I'm going to finish. There's just a tiny bit more to follow in the service. But this uh, short sermon, as you've noticed, it's a, really a communion talk. It's to get us focused on Jesus Christ. And long-distance faith, as we've seen, can be a trusting faith. It doesn't have to be meaningless simply because of many centuries between Jesus and us or the infinite distance, so it seems, between us and God in heaven. So 
what does this have to do with communion? And I've got three nuggets. Through the bread and wine, we reach back from our century to the first century. There's some kind of connection going on in communion. Christians have always had different understandings of that, but it's not just an empty ceremony. Despite that immense distance between us and Jesus' time on earth, he connects with us. Oh, yeah, we're reaching back. He's reaching down. And because of that, we're able to reach out. We're able to proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes. And that, according to the Apostle Paul, is what communion is. It's a proclamation of Jesus' death until he comes, and that's in 1 Corinthians 11. So let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, yeah, honestly, often you seem far away or even surreal or unreal, but we know, because we know your son Jesus, that that's just in our head and that if there is any real distance between you and us, you're not the one who's moved. We have. Help us to accept the truth which you give to us in the Scripture and in your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to not only accept the truth, but to embrace it with vigor and a desire to share this with others. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity and for your wisdom to ask us to celebrate communion every week. This is not something, it would not be good for us just to do it occasionally or once a year, but it's a regular part of our lives. Help us to sense that connection, the connection with you, your word, with the Son, and because of that, we connect with each other, and we even connect outside as we proclaim the death. And for these things, we're grateful. Help us to be thoughtful in the right way. Through Jesus Christ, amen.